0: Hello and welcome to day 11 of the 12 days of Christmas. How
1: you do? Oh. Yeah, just felt like dropping it in again.
0: Oh, I see. I've got five spooky listener stories for you today.
1: I tell you, my nerves are taking a beating. I know. It's 12 days of beating my nerves. That sounded a bit wrong, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, don't say that too loudly. People will start to wonder what you're into. And story number one comes from Nathaniel. When I was a child, my father took me and my brother to see a witch doctor. This man supposedly had several spirits living inside him, bonded to his own. He would allow them to possess him in order to carry out spiritual healings or cleansings. But what he was best known for was exercising evil spirits. For context, we live in Borneo and my family is part of a tribe called the Ibans, or Sea Dayaks, in Southeast Asia. The majority of the surrounding area is thick jungle, and some places are untouched by Western society and culture. Many people still believe and practice the ways of old, despite being converted to other modern religions. When we came to the witch doctor's house, there were dozens of people sitting on the floor, and all the chairs waiting for their turn to see him. We joined them, and listened to their stories. A man who had unbearable migraines, a woman who could not conceive, and parents who wanted to stop their child's painful skin condition. All of them tried modern medicine but the results were the same so they decided to come to him for help. But what stuck with me after all these years was an elderly man who asked the witch doctor to exercise the spirit of his recently deceased wife and give her peace. Every night he would hear her wailing and asking for help telling him to come with her. After further questioning, it was discovered that when she was buried, her husband placed a photograph of them together inside her coffin. In Asian culture, photos have a little bit of your soul or spirit inside them, so he accidentally made a link between his spirit and hers, causing her to be unable to fully cross over to the other side. After hearing all of this, the witch doctor asked the man to sit back down and took out a large cardboard box. He sat down in the middle of the room and began to meditate, holding his prayer necklace in one hand and his parang, which is a headhunter's knife, in the other. He then asked someone to put the cardboard box over him when he started praying. When he started, the whole room began praying and chanting with him. No one could see what was going on inside the box, but after 20 minutes, he emerged from it kicking and yelling. When he came out, he was covered in fresh mud and what looked like blood all over his face and body. He looked exhausted, but was able to gesture to the elderly man to come forward. He reached out, and in his hand was the photo of the elderly man and his wife that the man had placed in his wife's coffin.
1: No way. I mean, there's like, polling your audience, like, you know, some... Con artists in this country do. And then there's producing a photo that was buried with your dead wife. I've got no explanation for that. That is is not paranormal or supernatural. That is insane.
0: Nobody could see me. I forgot. But I was waving my arms in the air like I do when I get overexcited.
1: (laughs) That is a crazy story. Thank you so much for sharing Nathaniel. Also Borneo is definitely on the list of places I want to go to. So... I'll let you know when I'm in the area.
0: <laughs> I just think that's—I, I, my mind is blown.
1: It's—I
0: don't even—I genuinely don't even know what to say to that story.
1: But we don't. The thing is, it's like it's with all this, with all kind of spiritual stuff. We just that we don't understand, do we? We don't know.
0: No, and we don't understand the spiritual beliefs of other cultures. Uh, that's blown my incredible. mind. I feel a bit shook now after that. I don't know if I can go on.
1: <laughs> you got to try, it for the listeners.
0: And our second story today comes from Steph. Never one to be fashionably late, I seemingly made quite an early debut into the paranormal. It started at the age of five or six when I picked up a severe disease that turned out to be quite dangerous. It was apparently meant to be similar to ringworm, but way more extreme. It unfortunately had me hospitalised, with my head being bandaged daily to staunch the bleeding and approaching a life-threatening condition after a year. The doctors had no idea what to make of it or how to help, and despite repeated attempted treatments, eventually told my parents that there was nothing that they could do. Being desperate, and inclined to believe in the mystical to some degree, my mother sought out a seventh son of a seventh son. I was brought to him after an initial examination. My parents were told that I could be cured of my ailment, He wouldn't call it a disease for some reason, but that it would be difficult, and that there would be consequences. Nonetheless, he was true to his word, and after three separate visits, the disease had stopped and begun regressing. My parents basically called it a miracle and were incredibly thankful that everything had worked out so perfectly. Except they didn't know the whole story. After the first treatment, I began seeing vague, dark, humanoid shapes standing at the end of my bed before I would fall asleep. Though they were so discreet and faint that I basically wrote them off as just weird shadows being dreamt up by my tired brain. After the second, they became just a bit clearer. Not detailed enough to really be able to understand what I was seeing, yet definitely not faint enough to be ignored either. But after the final treatment, they finally became clear. They were three separate figures that looked like they were made from thick, smoky shadow, denser and darker than anything else in the room. Dark, apart from their eyes, that is, which were tiny pinpricks of light, glowing some variation of red or murky-orangish-yellow, depending on the figure themselves. At first they just confused me. I didn't understand what they were or why they were there. But once I started watching them that third time, it seemed as though something changed, and it was as if they suddenly realised that I could see them too. Which is when things started getting bad. Rather than simply being the static shadows I had first assumed they were, they started moving. And worst, they seemed to want to directly interact with their environment and me. The tallest and most broad, maybe more aptly described as looming, moved the least yet also seemed to give off a vibe of being in charge of the others. He would stand at the very foot of my bed near my door, and as the night went on would reach out to place the firm weight of his hand cupping my ankle. He would occasionally watch the other two, but if he caught me glancing at him he would lean over my bed towards me, placing his heavy hands further up my body and more weight on me from my thighs to my hips and then to my stomach, with the highest ever one being on my upper chest. He always felt like he was trying to lay claim to me, as if those hands on me would either never let me go or pull me from the bed. The second was the one I hated the most, though. It was the least human-seeming of the lot and would permanently scurry around on its skinny limbs, hands and weird, disjointed legs. It seemed to have a similar game to the other, in that it would try and get closer to me. However, I feel that its real goal Was to inspire as much terror in me as it possibly could in doing so. It would dart from hiding place to hiding place, making its horrible rapid tapping noise like claws on wood, gradually getting closer. First from behind the door frame, moving to behind the corner of the bed. From there, it would keep leaning out a little further every time I looked away and back again, or even blinked. Then it would dart directly underneath the bed tapping at each of the wooden supports to let me know it was getting slowly closer the closest I think he ever got was seemingly peeking over the edge of the bed directly alongside my face while running what sounded like sharp nails along the wooden strut directly beneath my pillow I checked the morning after and found what looked like scratch marks it actually made me cry for a little while that morning on a lighter note The final one was the most odd of them all. He simply seemed to be lost and really quite confused. He also seemed the most physically real of all of them. His walking making the wooden boards creak underneath him. His apparent ability to cast a shadow when walking behind the distorted glass bricks that looked out into the hallway from my room. He could definitely see everyone else there, just like we could see him. But he never interacted much except to creepily wander in the vicinity of my room. I kind of felt a bit bad for him. Anyway, I never told anyone about them. I was afraid that I might be called mad and be brought back to another hospital, potentially for good this time. So I simply learned to live with them. When they would show up on their occasional nights and do my best to overcome the fear they inspired in me as the years went on. Though they weren't just contained to my room. They seemingly followed me many times on certain days when I would hear whispers of my name and see something dark walk around a corner just at the edge of my vision. And no matter what, they were always there, and most active right before life would get a little darker or when bad things would happen around me. At around nine years old, the night before my best friend turned on me and sided with those who bullied me, they were there. The night before I was beaten unconscious by those bullies, they were there then too. At around thirteen, when I made my first suicide attempt, they were there. Years later, they were present the night before a different set of bullies tried to set me on fire. And in college, the night before, a literal Nazi moved into the student accommodation with me and terrified i locked myself in my room when I found out are just a few examples, among others. I would say they seem like a bad omen, except I genuinely feel like they could actually be somehow influencing some of them, because that's just the sort of feeling I get from them. When I was in college, they also decided to become more directly malicious in how they interacted with me. Some of the more creepy situations that I've actually documented, including the time one of them lifted the heavy, two inch thick ceiling panel to crawl around in the space above my college room, and also leaving a bloody smudge outside the door of my room one night while being very active. Both blood and weird bruises seemed to be one of their preferred calling cards too as I've woken up many mornings with bruises in the weirdest places and being the oddest shapes. Also spots of blood and on one occasion waking up with enough on my hands that I thought I'd had a bad nosebleed in my sleep, except I couldn't actually find the source. So that's kind of mostly it. There's obviously a lot more detail and specific situations that I've brushed over, but I kind of feel like I've gone on more than enough already. In terms of remedies... I have met other spiritual people who just told me I'm surrounded by darkness or being followed, which is something I already knew so it didn't really help. One of my own personal darker theories is that these things could have been the original cause of my unique untreatable disease and that they may have in some way expected to take me way back then, but when it didn't work out they just stuck around for some reason to gain something else, maybe just fear. Maybe they hoped they would eventually get my soul. Cue thunder outside window and ominous piano chord. (laughs) But either way, I thought it might be fun to share with you guys.
1: Well, that's terrifying. Those three things, whatever they are. Although the third one kind of sounds a little bit bemused by the whole thing.
0: He sounds like he's there by accident. (laughs) Where he's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, wait a second. Who are these guys? And who's that little girl? What the fuck?
1: (laughs) Do you remember when... Like in kids in playgrounds where they're like the two sort of bold kids always had a hanger on and it would be the hanger on that would be, end up getting in trouble for the actions of the other two. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's the situation here. Yeah. I feel like he desperately wants to be one of the cool guys, but then doesn't quite realise what that involves. I don't understand how it works with the seventh son of the seventh son. Because it's almost, I know that's not how Steph has interpreted it, but it almost feels as though the seventh son has made like a bargain and like taken away the illness in exchange for these her three, being tormented yeah. by
0: these 3 demony things
1: which is not how i thought they worked but i guess no, some no, me neither. some people with powers must use them for evil things right i
0: guess it depends on where you are mm. and what your understanding of it is
1: i think probably steph's interpretation of it is probably better because it doesn't put the blame at the, the healer
0: yeah that maybe she was supposed to die and yeah. she didn't yeah which is very final destination and very freaky
1: mm But the activity in general is just not nice. Like, I don't like hearing things crawling above you.
0: Or crawling under your bed and tapping the slats under the bed.
1: No, or actually seeing the three of them.
0: (laughs) I still just can't stop thinking about the third one that's just (laughs) sort of aimlessly standing there going, Oh God, this is really awkward. This is not what I signed up for. (laughs) You know on your first day of a new job where you don't really know what's going on and you're kind of trying to look pleasant and busy.
1: Yeah, it's when you're a bit, the person that's showing you around gets called off to do some proper work and you're yeah. kind of just left with everybody else.
0: And you're, you're just going, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say to you people. I also don't want to look like a tit. That's what he sounds like.
1: I mean, we've turned it into a bit of a skit, but it's obviously terrifying if you're going for it. But the third guy
0: is funny. And our third story today comes from Rob. I used to maintain bank-owned properties. One spring day, I received a work order for a reverse mortgage property. I'd visited this property once before because the owner's body was not found for quite a while after she had died. I was asked to bid cleaning the remaining bodily fluids and get rid of the smell. This new work order was a simple inspection. Because the house had been vacant for quite a while, the power had been shut off. Before the electric company would restore power, however, The system needed to be thoroughly inspected for code compliance and hazards. As long as I was going to be searching the basement, the customer requested I search for a possible rodent infestation. The notes indicated the real estate agent had reported she could hear shuffling and other noises coming from the basement, but due to lack of electricity refused to investigate. My teenage son wanted to earn some extra gas money, so he accompanied me when he could. I thought this would be a good teaching opportunity for the day he bought his own home, so I waited until the evening after he had come home to complete the job. Unfortunately, whoever had been awarded the cleaning bid was unsuccessful with the odour remediation. When we opened the door to the basement we were met by the gaze of a few dozen antique dolls. The dolls were shelved along the stairwell and sitting on the steps facing different directions. My son and I hesitated at the unexpected scene. "'and I heard him take a step back. "'I asked him if he was okay, and he nodded, but said, "'Man, that is creepy.' "'We gently picked our way down the steps, "'but stopped at the bottom to allow our eyes time to adjust to the dark. "'Being the caring father I am, "'I stealthily tossed one of the dolls behind my back to the top of the stairs. "'It slowly tumbled towards us, causing my son to run over me to get away. "'I totally deserved at least that,' So laughing out loud, I got up and brushed myself off. When I looked up, my face was about a metre from another doll. In that moment, I thought I saw the doll's head turn ever so slightly to make eye contact with me. I froze for a minute while my mind tried to analyse whether she had moved or if it was just my imagination. Without changing my gaze, I pulled a hammer out of my tool belt and knocked her head off demon doll or toddler's toy either way she was far less creepy under the heel of my work boot when my eyes adjusted to the dark I looked around the old stone wall basement to discover hundreds of dolls perched on shelves staring at us less than comfortable I looked over to see if my son had discovered the same thing we locked eyes but I left my hammer holstered this time at the moment we heard something tumbling down the steps again I quickly glanced at the bottom of the steps to find the original tumbling doll still there. This was a new doll coming down to see what we were up to. My son's panicked eyes darted back and forth from me to the steps. When the doll reached the bottom, he looked at me as if asking permission for something. Silently, I nodded, curious as to what he was about to do. Apparently, this gave him permission to leap over both dolls and hit the steps running. Alone in the dark basement, I now debated whether I should join him or complete the work order. How many heads could I hammer? Why would a doll move? Why did I care if it moved? What can a little doll really do to a 183 centimeter 91kg man comfortable with combat and violence? I clanged my giant brass balls in defiance and ran like a little girl up those steps. To hear my son tell this story, there were other sounds and movements that I missed. I can't honestly say anything paranormal happened. Adrenaline, rodents, physics and imagination can explain everything. A few days later, a frustrated power technician called to let me know I should have told him the house was gone. Confused, I drove over assuming he was at the wrong address. The house had fallen in. It didn't fall over. It didn't burn down. It appeared to have collapsed in on itself. The entire house had fallen into the basement. Again, plenty of logical explanations exist, but this was just an unusual property. I have to say that Dan's face throughout that entire story was an absolute joy to behold. I'm sorry. Rob is also sorry, but secretly not sorry.
1: I feel this is what I get for complaining about the amount of stories with little girl ghosts in. Yeah, no Not just ghost. one demon doll, an entire basement full of dolls. That move and come down the stairs at you and pull down the house from the inside. Rob, I, there are some stories that don't need sharing with me. <laughs> and this is one of them. That is horrible. I'm so happy that you smashed the head off the doll. That was the only time where I mildly amused. Because... I would have done the same thing and I also would have hightailed it out there. I feel like that is the appropriate response. You get a gold star, that house needs to continue falling in on itself until it gets to the centre of the earth and it melts.
0: I wish anybody could see the traumatised look on Dan's face right now. It's a lot. It's a lot. I loved that story for its simplicity. Dolls don't really freak me out, as you guys know, but if I went into a basement full of hundreds of them staring at me with their eyeballs... I would be freaked out i would find that quite frightening they're
1: not just staring at you they're moving and they're running around in the night and they're pulling down buildings like these dolls need to burn
0: and our fourth story today comes from rafael my mom told me this story it happened about two years ago when my grandmother passed away in mexico my grandma was in her final stages and we had a caregiver watching her On the day of her passing, this caregiver told my aunt that she was going to pass away. She felt her body grow cold and told my aunt to say goodbye to her because she was going to pass. My aunt was in disbelief but listened to the caregiver and said goodbye to my grandma. My grandma passed away and my aunt was devastated. A woman came into the room and began to comfort my aunt. She hugged her and told her that she's in a better place now, don't cry. My aunt thought this person was with the caregiver, and the caregiver thought this person was a relative of my aunt. The woman told my aunt to go and tell her sister that their mother was gone. My aunt went to her sister's house, which was two blocks away. But by the time she arrived, the woman was already there. But in her state of grief, she didn't really take any notice. It wasn't until a couple of days later that they told the family of this mysterious woman... Keep in mind that this is a small town where everyone knows each other and no one had a clue who she was. They were in disbelief about what had happened. It was like she teleported from my aunt's house to my other aunt's house. They also realised in hindsight that the doors were locked but she still somehow had gotten inside. We believe this person was my grandma's mother. Days prior to her passing my grandma would say that she could see her mom and she would talk to her so we believe it was her i'm not a big believer in these kinds of things but i had chills when my mom told me this i think it's quite normal in certain families that you'd have loads of people around at a time of death so i can understand how this how how you'd you'd have a random person and not question who they were
1: yeah absolutely and i can
0: totally get that
1: it's understandable from the caregiver's point of view as well isn't it cuz like they're not going to know all the family members
0: so it's just such a strange little story yeah I think it's quite comforting
1: oh absolutely comforting because it was needed wasn't it like the, the words that she gave were needed yeah so I think it's great it's just mysterious
0: it's just it's a really strange little story and I I don't quite know what to make of it
1: let's talk it up to angels I think
0: let's let's go for angels anything that we don't understand from now we're just going to go angels <laughs> that's it yeah. always an angel
1: only when it's positive
0: Demon <laughs> climbing on your roof, angel. <laughs> Somebody pushing up your ceiling to climb around inside, angel. Remember Loads of dolls, dolls? Mm. angels. And our fifth story today comes from Naz. This story took place in Turkey in the mid 90s. Even though I grew up in the US, I spent my summers in Turkey at my grandparents' beach house. When I was an early teen, I had a group of friends who were quite mm. wild. I might be admitting to too much here, but we would do thrill-seeking things like drive motorcycles, drink alcohol, sneak out of the house in the middle of the night through windows, walk through construction sites with flashlights, and other really stupid things that 14 to 16-year-olds would definitely not be doing. We were rowdy teens in this quiet little beach community. One day, one of my friends came to us and told us a story about her mom and her aunt. She said that when they were teenagers they would have these seances to call jinns, or genies as they're also called. Jinns are supernatural creatures in Middle Eastern lore that, like humans, can be good or evil. They feature very prominently in the Muslim holy book the Quran, and in the everyday lives of the people in that region. My friends went on to tell us how to summon these creatures, and us, being thrill-seekers, we decided to do it. A group of us walked over to the backside of an abandoned house. I remember it was a rainy afternoon. There were around six of us and a dog. Four of us, two boys and two girls, sat in a circle with a teacup and a homemade Ouija board made out of paper. We said certain specific Muslim prayers into the teacup and then blew in it before passing it to the next person on the left. We flipped the cup and placed it upside down on the sheet, placing two fingers each on the bottom rim. It began to move immediately I don't really remember what the conversation went like but I do remember that we each took our fingers off to make sure that none of us were pushing it At first it wasn't scary at all We were all laughing and having a good time not taking it seriously When the dog started growling our laughter switched to nervous giggling and then she slowly got up her hair all sticking up and started to back away Suddenly she started barking and we scattered, flipping the cup over and grabbing the paper as we ran. Ten minutes later we were all laughing at ourselves for being such cowards. My friend though was not laughing. She said we were supposed to end the seance with a prayer so that the djinn would leave. Because we left without ending the ceremony and we flipped up the cup the djinn was supposedly trapped under, she was nervous it could stick around. We dismissed her fears and went on with our day. Things got really scary after that. It started off small with strange dreams. Initially, it was just the four of us who were in the circle who were having these different nightmares, but then the two others who didn't want to participate started having nightmares as well. It then spread to people who weren't even there. Let's just chalk that all up to psychological tricks. We were all convincing each other that there was something there, and we started having dreams. That's pretty easy to explain. Then things started happening. On my end, things started moving around. The chair in my room would change positions at night. We would return home and lights would be on that we knew had been off. My grandfather brought home chickens who all died overnight for no reason. My friend, the one who told us how to do the ceremony, was in her kitchen helping her mom with the dishes when every single teacup fell off the open cupboards and smashed onto the floor. Another boy said he walked into his living room and found a lit candle. He blew it out, but the flame came back again. He blew it out, and it came back. This continued for a while before he got scared and walked away, and his mom was able to blow it out. The worst thing happened to one of the boys who was sitting with us in the circle. One night, he was down on the beach. They were drinking and having a fire. He needed to go pee, so he decided to pee into the fire. One of his friends told him not to do it, said it was bad luck, and the jinns would take offence to it. He ignored his friend and did it anyway. That night, when he went home, he walked in his sleep for the first time in his life. As the week progressed, the sleepwalking continued and intensified. One night, he woke up with a kitchen knife in his hand, lightly cutting his arm. A few weeks later, when he started having seizures, his parents took him to an imam. The imam prescribed some remedies, but none of them worked. One day, he said he woke up to the sensation of someone pinching him. Shortly after, he heard the call to morning prayers. I feel this might need some explanation. Muslims are called to prayer five times a day by people with amplifiers from the mosques. You can hear it throughout the streets. I'm not a religious person, but I find the sound eerily beautiful. My friend went back to sleep not thinking anything of it. However, the next day he woke up to the same pinching sensation followed shortly by the call to morning prayers. On the third morning he got the hint. He took out his prayer rug and prayed. He said everything stopped at that moment. As an adult looking back, I imagine we were all suffering from some group hysteria, over-dramatising things because we were kids. Maybe we were seeing things that weren't there or giving events supernatural causes when they were completely rational. Even if that was the case, we were scared enough that we never called another jinn again. I forgot to mention a part of the story. There's a tale in my family that over a hundred years ago there was a jinn that was kidnapping all the boys in my family while they slept in their beds. One night one of my uncles wrapped himself in a straw mat and as the jinn went by he grabbed the creature by its hair. The uncle made a deal with the jinn that he would leave our family alone for a hundred years. My grandma told me that my older cousin was born at the 100-year mark. Our great-grandfather would sit by his crib at night to make sure he wasn't kidnapped. A part of me has always wondered if it was my family's gin that we called that day.
1: This isn't for Naz, because I feel like you understand, because you've been through it. But I feel like this is a, an opportune moment to repeat my public service announcement of many times. Leave the damn Ouija boards alone, please. <laughs>
0: I agree. <laughs> I also agree that uh, don't call Jane, yeah, because they have they have no uh, affiliations. You know, they can choose. They can look at you and go, "I'm going to fuck you up," and do it. Mm. So don't don't be messing around with that stuff. I'm saying that to you now as an adult, when you you are saying. This happened when you were a teenager. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm, I'm, sorry, Naz.
1: I mean, I'm not I'm not directing this at you at all. I feel like you understand this. I'm, I'm directing it to all those people that are, you know, planning it in the Who future. Who are
0: sitting there right now with the Ouija board yep. and a teacup poised. Yep, yep. And now they're going to go, oh no, I heard Dan's words. Don't
1: do it. Don't do it, guys. do it, I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. It's a, it's a bad move. I feel like there are probably plenty of people that have used the Ouija board and nothing's happened and that's fine. But I wouldn't personally want to run that risk. And all the stories we hear... Never end up going well, so I just say don't bother. Play Monopoly. It's probably just as dangerous. You'll get the same kind of thrill, but you won't get any lasting demons following you around. May break up your family, (laughs) but at least you won't have any demons. (laughs) Also, Naz, I also, as a side little sidebar, I agree with you. Call to prayer sounds amazing. I think it's uh, it's an incredible. It is there is a soothing element to it. I think. Found it very frustrating the first couple of nights, not being used to it, waking me up very early in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, I agree.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us and Real Life Ghost You can submit your own spooky story to Reallife Ghost Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon where for five dollars a month or do two dollars a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow.
1: Bye.